grateful earth makes the world's first brain healthy mushroom coffee. They use six powerful superfoods like turmeric, which is great for brain health, chaga, which helps boost immunity, lion's mane supports memory, focus, and benefits gut health. Other ingredients are cinnamon, L-theathene, and black pepper. Their coffee comes in lightweight, single-serve, instant coffee sticks that are perfect for today's on-the-go lifestyle. Enjoy them anytime, anywhere, in an instant. I know what you're thinking, how good can instant coffee be? But their instant coffee is freshly roasted, micro-ground, and packaged on the same day. It has a 12-month shelf life, and it comes in recyclable packaging. Not into instant coffee? They also have Manuka Honey Whole Bean Coffee. Grateful Earth Coffee is vegan, lab-tested, paleo-friendly, non-GMO, eco-friendly, all-natural, and it's made with love. Supercharge your day with Super Brain Coffee. Receive 10% off of your order by using code Best Mushroom Coffee 10. Link is in the description. Welcome to another episode. For more than a century, a physical condition known as ectrodactyly has affected Grady's family. It's a rare genetic deformity that makes hands look like lobster claws. The middle fingers are either missing or fused to the thumb and pinky. While many have viewed this condition as a handicap for Grady's family, it was an opportunity. As far back as the 1800s, as the family grew and produced more children with unusual hands, and sometimes feet, they developed a circus act, the lobster family. This became a carnival staple throughout the early 1900s. Grady Jr. would become known as Lobster Boy. Grady Jr. was born in Pittsburgh in 1937. His father, Grady Sr., and his mother, was Edna. Grady Sr. also had ectrodactyly. Grady Jr. was sixth generation, was the sixth generation to have this condition. By the time Grady Jr. was born, his father was already part of this carnival. Back then, it was called the Freak Show. Adding his kids with ectrodactyly to the act um, and he began including his son when Grady was seven years old. Some of the spectators would acknowledge Lobster, Lobster Boy with amazement but others only ridiculed and harassed. Grady's um, case was pretty severe. In addition to his hands 
He also had it on his feet and therefore could not walk. For most of his life, he primarily used a wheelchair, but also learned to use his upper body to pull himself across the floor with impressive strength. As Grady grew up, he became really strong. Throughout, uh, sorry, throughout his childhood, the family toured with the Carnival Circuit, spending the off-season in Gibsonton, Gibsonton, Florida, as many carnies did. The family did well. They made anywhere between 50000 to 80000 per season. That would be around $500,000 in today's money. And they didn't have to subject themselves to anything more than curious stares. Grady grew up in the carnival world, and so it wasn't surprising that, as a young man, he fell in love with another carnival worker. A young woman named Mary, who had run away from a bad home life to join the circus as a teenager. She didn't have any deformities and wasn't part of an act. She was a staff member. Unlike most people, when Mary met Grady, she didn't see a monster, but saw someone beautiful, and she fell in love with him. And a short time later, they got married. Together, they had two children, daughters Donna and Kathy. Donna was also born with ectrodactyly, and like his father before him, Grady introduced her to the family business. Kathy did not have the disorder, and people would say it's obvious that she was her father's favorite. Grady drank excessive amounts of alcohol, and combined with his overpowering upper body strength, he became abusive towards his wife and children. He would use his hands to choke Mary. One time, he allegedly used his claw-like hand to rip Mary's IUD from within her body during a fight. By 1973, Mary had enough of the abuse and she left Grady. In the divorce settlement, Grady was given custody of the children, who were teenagers at the time. Mary went on to marry another man, who was also in the carnival, known as the smallest man, which enraged Grady even more. The children were left to endure their father's rage. Sometime in her late teens, Grady's daughter Donna fell in love and wanted to marry a young man by the name of Jack, but Grady greatly opposed. Donna didn't care whether or not her father approved. She insisted that she would marry Jack with or without her father's consent. Grady's control over his family was top priority, and he was not about to give that up. He threatened Donna that if she um, married Jack, he would kill him. 
Somehow, the evening before the wedding, it was arranged for Jack to meet Grady in person to discuss the marriage. People thought Grady had a change of heart because he was willing to meet Jack. When Jack arrived, Grady instantly shot and killed him in the back without remorse. When Donna learned what ha- about Jack's murder, Grady sat and looked at her with an evil smile and said, I told you I would kill him. Grady soon went to trial. He admitted to his actions with no, no remorse whatsoever, but matter-of-factly said he couldn't possibly be imprisoned. No jail could handle his disability, and to confine him to prison would be a cruel and unusual punishment. He also had liver cirrhosis from drinking, and he had emphysema from years of cigarette smoking. It's true that the prisons were not well equipped to deal with many disabilities, and certainly not Grady's incredibly rare one. So he was charged with third-degree murder and received 15 years probation, and he returned home. Basically like house arrest. Grady remarried another woman and had two more children. He proceeded to subject them to his drunken rampages, and eventually his second wife also divorced him. For reasons that no one um, has been able to understand, his first wife, Mary, agreed to remarry him in 1989. At the time, Grady apologized for his past behavior and told Mary that he had stopped drinking, which I guess convinced her to go back. The abuse became more severe. Grady had avoided prison, and then he also gained a sense of being above the law. He would constantly tell Mary he could murder her again and get away with it. During her separation from Grady, Mary was remarried to a man named Glenn Sr., aka the smallest man and she had given birth to a son, Glenn. He too had become part of the carnival sideshow, but he had no deformities. Um, He was intellectually disabled. His act was driving nails and ice picks up his nose with a hammer. By 1992, Mary had again become exhausted with the abuse from Brady and she was concerned for her welfare and and her children's. Following another altercation, it was recorded that she made a, made a comment, something needs to be done, bring things to a beneficial conclusion while speaking to her son, Glenn, and then she gave him $1,500. Feeling the need to protect his mother, Glenn used the money to pay a 17-year-old neighbor and carnival, carnival worker Chris to kill Grady. Chris did not hesitate. He grabbed a gun, 
and went to Grady's trailer. Chris went to the window and saw Grady watching television in his underwear. Chris fired two shots in the head. Grady was killed instantly. He was 55 years old. Chris was charged with second-degree murder and sentenced to 27 years in prison. Glenn Jr. was charged with first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for 25 years. Mary tried to get Glenn to take a plea bargain, but he refused. Mary received little sympathy from the jury about her long history of being violently abused. She received a reduced charge, but was found guilty of conspiring to commit first-degree murder and manslaughter with a firearm, and she was sentenced to 12 years in prison. Not one of them denied that they had intended to kill Brady. During the trial, Mary spoke at length of his abuse history, saying, My husband was going to kill my family. I believe that from the bottom of my heart. I'm sorry this happened, but my family is safe now. Kathy, Mary and Grady's daughter, testified about the abuse as well. Mary un uh, sorry, Mary unsuccessfully appealed her conviction and began to serve her sentence in February of 1997. In 2014, Grady's son, Grady III, did an interview and said that his father's murder didn't happen exactly as it was told in court. He said, unfortunately, it was a terrible misunderstanding. What happened, according to Grady III, was Mary and Grady had gotten into another fight as usual. And Mary made the comment that something needed to be done. Glenn overheard that and went to the neighbor Chris and told him something had to be done. Glenn, having intellectual disabilities, thought that meant scaring or beating up Grady or something to make him realize he was going to lose his family. But a little while later, Grady was shot. At the time of his death, Lobster Boy was so disliked, not just in his family, but within the community, because of his probation sentence and basically getting away with murder, that the funeral home could not find anyone willing to be pallbearers. Today, the film, the family is still around, although mostly are out of the spotlight, but they still perform sometimes. Kathy is married and has a daughter named Misty, who has the condition. Kathy has been in the movie Big Fish by Tim Burton, and also on the series of the series Carnival. Grady III has a daughter, Sarah, Sarah, who does not have the condition. Fred Rosen wrote a book on the case called Lobster Boy, The Bizarre Life 
and brutal death of Grady. And E, the channel E, made a True Hollywood Story episode based on the case titled The Murder of Lobster Boy. Annie made a City Confidential episode based on the case called Gibsonton, The Last Sideshow. And a more, sorry, I'm getting all tongue-tied, American Horror Story Freak Show has a Lobster Boy character. It also included a small statue in the likeness of Grady in the opening credits.